Welcome back to the Paranorm Girl podcast. I am your host, Kristen. I hope your guys' Thanksgiving was spectacular. Hope you enjoyed the game, if that is your speed. Hope you enjoyed your family, and there were no awkward things said at the dinner table. But who are we kidding? Uncle Jim always pops off with something inappropriate. Special holidays be damned. Two days before Thanksgiving, I posted my conversation with Bigfoot researcher and investigator, Mr. Beans Baxter. I really hope y'all enjoyed that one. That was such a neat discussion. Now, the day before Thanksgiving, those who follow the show on social media will have seen my post about having been a guest host on the Society for Arcane Studies podcast. I recently got to chat alongside the Society's president, Jason Cordova, with the head of Enigma Labs and board member of the Scientific Coalition for UAP Studies, Mr. Alejandro T. Rojas. We talked UAP, as you might imagine, and it was a fabulous time. Very illuminating, very smart dude, that Mr. Rojas. Who would have thought? Uh, A couple of months ago, I officially became a proud member of the Society for Arcane Studies, and uh, I'd have to say, not bad for my first mission with them. You can learn all about the work that the Society does and catch that episode at the links in today's show notes. I will be replaying that show on all of my channels later next month for anyone who misses it or just wishes to re-listen. It's totally worth the re-listen, y'all. But for now, do support the Society by tuning in to their platforms and catching the episode and giving them good ratings and telling them they made a good decision bringing your girl on as their guest host and you want to see more of it. Dang it. Now, to the task at hand. Bigfoot. It's been a minute since I put out a solo deep dive. I do apologize. The holidays can get a little chaotic over here, but I am here. I am back on the case. Today, we are going to explore Bigfoot across the nation. It is wild when you realize just how many Native American tribes had some rendition of a Sasquatch-like creature and legend, and all attach their own unique names to this cryptid, though, across the board, described some physical characteristics very similarly. Wild indeed. You know what else is wild? We're still doing it today. It seems no matter where you live, except for Hawaii, you too may become familiar with the name of a cryptid reportedly and repeatedly cited in your locale who is described very similarly to someone else's local cryptid across the world. How Is that even possible? That is a question that I'd like you to keep in mind as we go through these names and stories and descriptions today. Unless it is just some feature of the human psyche, how can this same creature be so widespread? Animals that follow a pattern in regards to looks, behaviors, sounds that they make, and even the smell 
they leave behind. And animals that are described to a T, even by folks who were not expecting to see one, let alone were even familiar with the phenomenon to begin with. A vast number of these, and most reports, fail to include details such as fangs and claws, something Jeff Meldrum says would be an unlikely omission if we were just talking about some imaginary monster. Again, how? Ladies across the nation, this episode is brought to you by Manscaped. The brand that took your man's balls to space is now here to give them a grooming experience like no other. Introducing Manscaped's fifth-generation performance package featuring the all-new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. We're talking about a next-level trimmer with interchangeable blade heads for whatever shave he or you can imagine. Upgrade his grooming game to the Ultrasphere this year by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with code PNG. High tech for low places. Manscaped. The Performance Package 5.0 Ultra by Manscaped is here. And boy, it's been worth the wait. Now, I have talked a lot about the star of the show, the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra, but if you think about it, the Performance Package is the ultimate care package for his package. It also features the new Weed Whacker 2.0 ear and nose hair trimmer. I can speak to my personal experience with this, with my nose, not my ears. I'm just not there yet, you guys. But happy to say I am free and clear of squatchy nostrils, all without nicking myself or tugging on those most delicate of body hairs. Oof, that'll make your dang eyes water, son. The performance package also comes equipped with the Cavalry Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Soother Toner. Manscaped also throws in two free gifts, the Shed 2.0 Travel Bag to carry the contents of the performance package and the Manscaped Boxers 2.0 to carry the contents of his. Ladies out there who think of everything, Christmas is almost here, and I've got you covered this year for the perfect gift. You can get 20% off plus free shipping with code PNG at manscaped.com. That is 20% off plus free shipping with my code PNG at manscaped.com. His balls have been through enough. It's time to go ultra with Manscaped. In 1792, Spanish naturalist and explorer José Mariano Mocino noted in his journal that documented his exploration of the Pacific Northwest and British Columbia called Noticias de Nootka, an account of Nootka Sound, a creature who lived in the woods, of which the natives in the area were terrified. The tribespeople called it matlocks. Based on their descriptions, Jose wrote, I do not know what to say about Matlocks, inhabitant of the mountainous district, of who all have an unbelievable terror. They imagine his body as very monstrous, all covered with stiff black bristles. A head similar to a human one, but with much greater, sharper, and stronger fangs than those of the bear. 
Extremely long arms and toes and fingers armed with long curved claws. His shouts alone force those who hear them to the ground, and any unfortunate body he slaps is broken into a thousand pieces. Interestingly, in the same area, 150 years later, a man by the name of Muchalat Harry would report having been kidnapped by a large male Sasquatchy type creature and taken to a gathering of about 20 others who all curiously poked and prodded and pet him, though Mr. Harry would quickly conclude all they wanted was his blanket that he'd been wrapped in uh, when he was taken. The story goes, he would make his escape, run for miles, paddle his canoe back the way he'd come for hours before finally making it back to the Nootka village and spend three weeks getting his strength and sanity back. He would never venture into the woods again. So that is the Matlocks of the Pacific Northwest BC area. I hadn't come across anything called a Matlocks before. So I just thought that that one was especially interesting and, you know, had to start with my own area, you know. However, as we all should know very well by now, Bigfoot is not a Pacific Northwest phenomenon alone. Let's look at some other states who also have local Sasquatch lore. An article published in July of 1877 in a paper called the Russell Register, described the wild man of Russell County, Alabama, standing about five feet high and covered all over in gray hair. Citizens of Russell County described seeing it along Uchi Creek and a number of times walking about and chilling near Uchi Swamp. The Register goes on to report a sighting that had taken place two weeks prior to the article being published by a local boy who had seen the creature standing in a field. When he noticed the boy staring, the wild man quickly jumped a fence ten rails high and disappeared into the swamp. The article notes it had been seen several times since, and there had been several hunts made to find it to no avail. The people would never figure out what it was. However, a similarly described creature would be spotted just 100 miles south near Ochesi Pond in Florida a few years after the hubbub in Russell County. Now, that being said, the story of the wild man in Ochesi Pond is a weird one. It actually involves the sightings, encounters, and captures of him, or what turned out to be them. Uh, there isn't really any mystery as to whether or not what the residents captured was a skunk ape. They weren't skunk apes. They were actually wild men with excessive hair growth, thought possibly to be afflicted with hypertrichosis. If you want to add another item to your things to be overly paranoid about as you're falling asleep, this would be a good one. <laughs> it's an exceedingly rare disease and can be congenital, but also can be acquired later in one's life. Sleep tight, guys. Uh, the reason that I am including it here is to highlight a consideration in our quest for Bigfoot and especially when we come across these wild men stories. Sometimes 
the wild men these folks are referring to were just simply wild humans. And uh, I, I just think that's really important to keep in mind as we try to piece together a historic puzzle of Sasquatch, because we have all probably heard an account somewhere along the line of a person with a gun faced with a creature fitting the Sasquatch description. And yet, when given the opportunity, the person in this generalization of these stories uh, sometimes makes the decision to not shoot because it looked too human. I suspect this detail is going to come into play later in the season as we begin to explore what these creatures might actually be. So let's let's normalize weeding out stories that could be explaining encounters with actual humans. And that's getting easier and easier to do if the wild man is jumping on horses and whipping them with a, a switch or detaining women and forcing them to cook for them. Probably safe to throw that story in the burn pile if the wild man is effortlessly jumping over fences that are 10 rails high, you know, maybe, maybe. But anyway, at the end, then we see which stories uh, we're left with. Those, those are the golden nuggets, dudes. Uh, Alaska, I am discovering, has quite the selection of Sasquatch. We already know Lots about the Nantanok of the Kenai Peninsula, thanks to my recent guest, Beans Baxter. But if we turn our attention to the shore on the opposite side of Cook Inlet and getting into southwestern Alaska, we find something called the Yurayuli. These beings are rumored to live in the woodlands and wide tundra areas near Lake Iliamna and are said to be rather peaceful, non-disruptive creatures, though they have been blamed for things going missing and destroying campers' tents. They have been described standing 6 to 10 feet tall, weighing upwards of 750 pounds, covered in coarse, shaggy, reddish-brown or black hair. Its eyes have been described as glowing or illuminescent. Its arms are long, long enough to reach its own ankles. It is an agile and quick creature that is active at night. It is also a good swimmer. And that's a fairly common detail across the Bigfoot world. These creatures swim well. Since the mid-50s, very large footprints have been found in the area and along the shore, and a photo was purportedly snapped of one and shown by a hunting guide out of the city of Dillingham in 1982. I sure would like to see that photo. Other names attributed to the Urayuli include Arulatak, Bushman, Big Man, Tent Monster, Nantina, and the Woodsman. Arizona lays claim to the Mogion Monster, an ape-like creature who reportedly roams the Mogion Rim. Encounters report he is bipedal, stands over seven feet tall, and leaves footprints measuring 22 inches long. And he has red eyes. He sports long black or reddish-brown hair and has a strong pungent odor. 
described by its Wikipedia entry as that of a dead fish, a skunk with bad body odor, as opposed to a skunk with good body odor, decaying peat moss, and the musk of a snapping turtle. Do snapping turtles smell funky? They look like they would smell funky, but I haven't a clue uh, what Ode Tartaruga might smell like. He is nocturnal, omnivorous, territorial, and sometimes violent. He is said to mimic local wildlife calls like birds and coyotes. Some reports say he emits a blood-curdling scream like that of a woman in distress. He also emits an unusual whistling. He is omnivorous, as previously stated, and totally like a normal person, decapitates his kill prior to eating them, and accounts of the creature describe an eerie silence preceding the encounter like that that befalls the woods in the presence of a predator. There is also a song called Mogion Monster by Arizona balladeer Dolan Ellis, who poetically rails against littering with lyrics like, He lives off litter in old beer cans. Cigarette butts always taste mighty good. <laughs> it's it's kind of an awesome song. I, I really like it. Uh, Arkansas boasts the Falk monster. But of course, we, we learned quite a bit about that beauty recently too, didn't we? My old stomping grounds, Southern California, has its own Sasquatch. I hadn't a clue the whole time I lived there, and I could have been looking for it. Something big and hairy lurks around San Diego and the Alpine area. Its many names can be found in the archives of the San Diego Tribune and San Diego Union that include the Ranchetti Yeti, Borrego Sandman, the Wild Man of Warner Springs, and the Proctor Valley Monster. It was described covered entirely in black coarse hair while retaining a man's face in an early account published by the San Diego Union in 1876. Florida, Florida, Florida. What can be said about Florida that hasn't been said before? The Ochisi Pond Wild Man may not be that exciting, but Florida is notorious for its skunk ape population. Dave Sheely, skunk ape expert, runs the Skunk Ape Research Headquarters out of Achope, Florida, and has been hunting the dang thing since he first saw one in 1974. He has captured, allegedly, the animal on film, clips of which can be easily viewed on YouTube. I, of course, have already spoke of the Miyaka skunk ape earlier in the season and the picture that accompanies uh, that report. I do find the photo interesting indeed. It's a weird one, faux show. Uh, the last one that I will mention for Florida is it's a real mystery. Its descriptions can be inconsistent, sightings are rare, and theories abound as to its origin story. But some strange creature has been witnessed lurking in the forests around Barden, Florida. The Barden booger may be 10 feet tall. It may be a descendant of an escaped circus monkey. 
I don't know what it is with the South. And I, I am speaking from personal experience here, having heard this as an explanation for my own local cryptid, the Honey Island Swamp Monster. But what is with all of these crashing circus trains and escape monkeys? I don't know. <laughs> it, it does seem to play a part in most good old southern monster lore. Though, uh, in an article I will link below about the Barden Booger, a resident that was being interviewed about it said, quote, I see monkeys out here in our woods all the time. Though she hadn't seen any standing 10 feet tall. <laughs> I know we're, we're talking about a local monster here, but let, let's just pause for a moment to appreciate what a weird statement that is. Anyhow, if she is being honest, perhaps a uh, crashed circus monkey train isn't such a wild lead in this case. Ooh, Louisiana, baby. Specifically around Slidell, Louisiana, where I was living before relocating to the Pacific Northwest. There is a large bipedal humanoid, seven foot tall, ape-like creature that roams the swamp and bayous along the Pearl River. It goes by many names, Cajun Sasquatch, Louisiana Wookie, The Thing, but none are quite so well known as what we called it right there in St. Tammany Parish, the Honey Island Swamp Monster. It is similar in many ways to Bigfoot, though there are some unique traits. It is covered in hair, but the hair is long and gray. It has a piercing gaze, but its eyes are reportedly yellow or red. It is accompanied by a putrid stink like that of putrefied trash, concluded to most likely be due to methane produced by decomposing plants in the swamps. Its feet definitely stick out as one of its most unique traits. They are huge, webbed, and sport, only three to four toes. There have been a couple of versions uh, of, of casts of what was thought to be its prints. They all be looking kind of alligator-ish, I, I, I gotta say. It was first sighted in 1963 by Harlan Ford and his buddy Billy Mills, who were out in the marsh on a hunting trip. They came upon a massive creature slumped over something with its back to them. At first, they thought it was a bear before it stood and turned, peering at them from very large amber eyes and a surprisingly human face, though, according to Ford, clearly not human. Ford would spend the rest of his life searching for what it was they saw that day, though far more quietly after the initial monster mania and ridicule that ensued following his story going mainstream. Something very interesting that I think lends credibility to these guys having actually seen something matching the description. Following Ford's death in 1980, his wife would discover some grainy 8-millimeter footage he had captured at some point, but had never told anyone about, of a very large something covered in hair making its way through trees and brush not too far from him. And the footage uh, can also be found on YouTube. A really fun local Bigfoot, but contains not a French lick of credibility. 
but it's just fun, so I'll mention it here, is Fluorescent Freddy out of Indiana. Said to have bright green hair, glowing red eyes, and standing 10 feet tall. This creature only has one sighting to its name, though the story goes that multiple teenage boys encountered it back in the 60s. Bright green hair. It's the troll doll of Sasquatch, collector's edition. Kentucky has one called the Cave Yeller. I have been thoroughly enjoying the creativity of the names that the local residents have given these creatures. Oh, in Massachusetts, we got something called the Boston Bahumagosh. As fun as that name sounds, uh, there really isn't much to be found online about it, except that it can stand 10 feet tall, can weigh 400 pounds, is covered in light grayish hair, and seems to be slightly more carnivorous than your run-of-the-mill Sasquatch. The Missouri Monster, or Momo. The most well-known sighting occurred in July of 1972, when two young boys were out playing in their yard while their sister was in the kitchen. Suddenly, she heard her brother shrieking and looked out the window to see a gigantic, hair-covered, bipedal creature holding what looked to be a dead dog. <laughs> this witness described the animal as having glowing orange eyes and a pumpkin-shaped head. Momo! with the big fat head. Another notable sighting occurred that year when the local fire chief reported seeing a massive bipedal creature pass through the illumination of his headlights. In addition to the pumpkin head and weird eyes, this thing was estimated at about seven feet tall, covered in dark hair, and stinking something putrid. There's something squatchy in the Adirondacks of New York. And this is not shocking, considering it is the largest publicly protected area greater in size than Yellowstone, the Everglades, Glacier, and the Grand Canyon National Park combined. Within the Adirondack Park's boundaries lie approximately 6 million acres of forest preserve, constitutionally protected to remain forever wild. There are over 3,000 lakes, 30,000 miles of rivers and streams, and a variety of wildlife habitat, including both forested and wetland options. This is a Sasquatch paradise. The next time someone comes at you with, oh, if they're real, why can't we find one? Just say, because. Adirondacks, bro. Talk about a needle in a haystack, more like a needle in six million haystacks, six million acres, yo, protected to forever remain wild and untouched. Unbelievable. At the southern foothills of the Adirondacks sits the city of Whitehall. You may have heard of it. An extremely well-known sighting arose from there in 1976 when some teenage boys, out joyriding or whatever in their truck, came upon a very large ape-like creature with glowing eyes. Um, I already talked a bit on this one, so let's move on. But suffice it to say, there have been a plethora of sightings and encounters and vocalizations heard in and around 
the Adirondacks. I am including a Google map of sightings that someone was kind enough to put together in the area that y'all should check out just to get a feel of the amount of activity that has and is still taking place in this region. It's incredible. All right. Since the 70s, residents of Cleveland County, North Carolina, have been on the lookout for a local beloved critter affectionately named Nobby a nod to the area that it was first sighted, Carpenter's Knob. According to folks who have encountered him, he smells like a skunk. He's humongous at 10 feet tall. He also has six fingers on each hand, which is a strange detail, but a detail nonetheless. Nobby has certainly become a local celebrity for the area and has brought a great deal of consumer traffic to the local small businesses, hawking fun Nobby collectibles such as the Track and Nobby t-shirt, the Nobby toothbrush that looks like a, like a makeshift fork, and one of the stores even proudly displays the Git stick. <laughs> That's Git with an I. The way God intended. (laughs) The story behind that comes from an encounter one gentleman named Tim Peeler had where he was calling coyotes with a a coyote horn. I I don't know what that's called. Um, But instead of coyotes, he looked up to see a giant 10-foot creature had come a running and he says uh the thing was like hassling his dogs so he 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 ran them off yeah he 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 talked smack to him and he ran them off and then he called 911 but nobby returned for some more action and the man took up a stick poked it in his direction and he shouted get get away from here and ran them off for good. <laughs> I absolutely adore that story. I adore it. Um, other fun nobbyisms in the area include there being a local biker club named the NC Nobbies. They only drive BMWs, so it is a club, not a gang. And I also think their name was probably more so inspired by Carpenter's Knob rather than the creature, but something definitely inspired by Nobby is the Chasing Nobby event, which is a running event that includes fun runs, 5Ks, and 10Ks. Winners of this event can win their very own Git Stick. <laughs> How cool is that? I want one so much. All right. Unfortunately, for every Nobby, there is a Minerva monster. And we will learn all about this atrocity next week. We shall pick up with this and more local Bigfoots and do our final note on the next episode. Be sure you give this one a thumbs up and hit that subscribe if you are on YouTube. I thank you so much. You can always reach me on social at ParanormGirlPod or shoot me an email at ParanormGirlPod at gmail.com. That is a wrap for today. I'll catch y'all back here next week. Until then, stay safe, keep the night light on, and sleep 
with one eye open.